I'm Mackenzie. And I'm JJ. And this is The Little Death. A podcast about the true final frontier, death. We ask the questions most of us spend our whole lives avoiding. We're not experts on death. We're just a couple of death-obsessed weirdos on the hunt for a more honest conversation and information about death and dying. Hey, guess what? We got a new mic. We did. Doesn't it sound great? Ooh. Yeah. Ah. Coming to you straight from a microphone, a real lady microphone. Yeah, it's really big. It is. It's a nice. It's a fancy mic. Yeah, and I hope that we sound as much as as good as we hope to, and we feel. And we're both wearing suits, so we are. You, you we're definitely wearing. suits. We dressed to impress. I'm wearing a top hat. Yes. Yeah. JJ is. It looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Spell it. Well, and here we are. So, okay. hi everyone. Hello. It has um, been a few weeks now since we've released our first episode. Yeah. And it's been really great. Yeah, we've gotten some really good feedback. We have. Yeah. And we've gotten the chance to have some great conversations, yeah. not just with folks on the podcast, but Yeah. A lot of weird conversations too. I feel like people have just told me some very odd stories because <laughs> they're like, "Oh, death. Let me tell you about this squirrel I found." <laughs> here I go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Are you enjoying cool. your gnocchi? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's definitely made me realize how excited and reinvigorated I am about yeah. the podcast. Yeah, what a conversation starter. Like, not only are are we doing a podcast in our spare time, but, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, what's it about? Uh, death and stuff? And they're like... <laughs> Oh, how interesting. That's morbid. Like bringing it up in a workplace was really weird. Just oh, to be have like, you brought it up at work? I did. I, I felt like I had to preface it with, oh, I'm not weird. I'm not a <laughs> sociopath and I'm not a murderer. And I just am interested in death. Is that weird? I'm sorry. And then I'll like walk out of the room. But I'm interested to see what they think. Apparently one of the um, attorneys is halfway through an episode. Oh, really? Yep. And so we'll see. How that goes. It's interesting you say that because I have been uh, not keeping it a secret at work, but I haven't brought it up because, I don't know, it just seems... And I work at a place that theoretically would be... Super into it. Or just be like, oh, interesting. Like, my boss runs a podcast and, you know, so... A very intellectual environment. Yes, very intellectual. I think for similar reasons, it's hard to explain (laughs) to people your fascination about. Right. I don't have bodies in my closet. None that I know about. (laughs) Yeah. If they are, they're surprised to me too. Yeah, great. I've had a lot of weird conversations and wonderful conversations with strangers too about death. I was reading a book by Caitlin Doty, who is sort of a death celebrity, I think I would call her. I would Um, say so. She at least looks like one. Yeah. Yes. She's got fly eyes. She does. And like very straight bangs. Yeah. Her eye makeup's on point. She's got that very rockabilly. Pale skin. Mm -hmm. You know, someday I will... I will have as pale of skin as she Pin has. Pin-up girl. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> I don't, but okay. <laughs> uh, I just have to embrace my paleness. This person I was sitting next to on the plane asked me what I was reading, and I was, you know, reading a book with a skull on the cover. And I, you, you know, oh, this yeah. book is about dying in other cultures and the way other cultures deal How with. jarring. I always, I am not someone who gets nervous, but I still am like, I might die when I get on this plane. <laughs> the person next to you is reading a book about death. I'd freak the fuck out. I would. I was like kind of trying to hide my, the, the cover of the book and be really subtle, but I was really interested in it. That's like when you're watching the really trashy movie on the plane and you don't want anyone to know. 
that you like that trashy movie like the that's always me I'm always the per- I watched um, the another plane I watched the movie seven if you want to talk about weird seven's movies. not a trashy movie it's not a trashy movie but it's a really dark movie to watch that on a plane next to a stranger oh yeah there's a lot of dead bodies in yeah and, and oh the gluttony scene yep. oh yeah so you know sorry <laughs> sorry to that other stranger but I'm more embarrassed to watch Legally Blonde. Like I'm a like a 26 year old woman, and I when I'm on planes, I always pretend I'm, I'm a real important business person. <laughs> and all I want to do is watch Legally Blonde, and then I'm ashamed. <laughs> I think you should be allowed to watch Legally Blonde. No I shame. Know. That's secretly not even secretly. It's a very feminist piece. It's Legally a Blonde. Good movie. It's a great movie. I mentioned that I was reading, you know, this this book because I'm interested in in death and dying and other cultures and how they practice and relate to death and dying and the topic of the podcast came up. And at that point we hadn't released any episodes. So he was, I think to his credit, very open-minded and very thoughtful and (laughs) willing to have a conversation with me when I asked him very personal questions about his relationship to death. Did you just ask straight out? Well, we, he, he, he seemed open to it because with the question follows. Yeah. It's like, what about death and dying? Like, what do you talk about? And at that point, we had only recorded, I think, the first episode. And so then we, you know, from there, we talked about a lot of things, what he wanted to happen at his funeral and yeah. his relationship to his family and, and deaths that have happened at his family. And it was a lovely conversation. And <laughs> I hope it opens up more. I hope people talk to us more about it. Yeah. And that's, I think that would be our goal. Someone asked us yesterday what our goal was with this podcast. And our ultimately our goal is that there's a more open conversation about death and not just the that grief is hard and that losing people is hard but that it's something that we're all much more prepared to talk about and it's not something that we're trying to ignore right the more we make it part of our lives the more it's part of our lives and not just like this thing that totally ends us right and it, but that's also i you know i also want to validate that it can feel that i mean I'm no expert on grieving. And that was another interesting thing that came up in conversations is the difference between talking about death Mm -hmm. and talking to people who are grieving a death. The before, I think that it's valid to have conversations about death before you're in the grieving process. I think it, yeah, is essential. What a gift you can give your loved ones if you talk about it before then, then when they are faced with, you know, they will be faced with your death, theoretically they're much more armed and they have the information instead of needing to also worry about the logistics mm-hmm. of having to manage someone's death they can just focus on their grief and right and work through it yeah on today's episode we're going to talk about death etiquette death etiquette death etiquette death etiquette darling <laughs> and i just want to mention that you know with all etiquette and manners these are guidelines and I think things will always either offend people or not offend people. You can't control that. So I don't even know that it's about being offended. I think if I think if you disagree with us, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. And we're cool. This with that. is just an opinion. And in fact, if you do disagree with us, please tell us. Oh yeah. I'd be very curious because we're just, you know But if it's okay, we might ask some follow up questions because yeah, or invite you on. Yeah, you, yeah. So because I also I disagree with some of what Emily Post interesting um, laid out. Only if it were me, 
Okay. You know, like, yeah. she probably does have good advice. Emily Post, who is not yeah, Well, she's the but... end-all be-all, right? Yes. How do I, when talking about etiquette, how do I go to a resource? The one we have for the English-speaking world is Emily Post. Yeah. Like, cool. So I, but I also, and manners with me is one of those things that I, I think they're helpful and really necessary and very important for everyone to learn. But I also find them incredibly infuriating, <laughs> often patriarchal and for stupid. Sure. I have a complicated relationship to manners and therefore a complicated relationship to Emily Post. Emily Post, in my opinion, has made strides in being better because now it's like a big corporation. Like it's yes. not like one woman. Right. Yeah. It's right. It's, it's like a huge corporation. Yes. And they have made strides in being better. But I was also noticing some very sexist information. Mm-hmm. But what I do like about manners um, and etiquette in general is in times like death and grieving where you just want to fall apart, it does give people guidelines structure. and structure. And I think that is important for some people. I do think it's important to to let it all hang out there sometimes, but um, the structure I think just helps us. Well, and I think sometimes it's nice for, especially if you're dealing with a lot it can be really nice to just have a roadmap. Right. You, yeah. you don't have to think. Mm-hmm. I get really anxious about if I'm doing, if I'm be, uh, coming across as rude. Yeah. Especially in high stakes situations for like sure. a funeral. So I think it's useful for that. Yeah. I think the thing that's probably comes up for me or potentially could come up for me the most would be, do I go to this funeral or not? Yeah. Obviously, if it's a family member a close family member or a really close friend, of course you're going to go, right? But if it's a... Classmate? Classmate or a distant cousin Mm -hmm. who you live kind of far away from, or if it's someone you didn't like. Yeah. Or if it's someone who you respect a lot but don't know them that well, like their passing means a lot to you. Emily Post does lay out... Some specific things about should I go to this funeral or should I not? Or what should I do instead if I don't go? But I don't think she gets into the level of detail that I think a lot of people probably need. Yeah. Emily Post basically says, if you had a complicated relationship with the person, you should check in with a friend or family member who's closer to the situation and see if you see how they feel about you going. And I think that's good advice. If I was the person they're asking, I would be... I don't. I wouldn't want to offend the person by saying no. I don't. It, you mean if you were the person that was being checked in with? Yeah. Like uh, my answer to it would be, if you feel like you should go, or if you feel like that would give you closure, I would go. Think about it. If you like, if you had a person in your life who was really, really, really disruptive, and they're the person who called you because they knew that you were close enough to know what everybody felt, but but far enough away to like s- yeah. speak to them honestly. Right, and obviously you're going to choose someone you trust True. to call. True. If you called me or something and were like, JJ, my mortal enemy has died. If you also know my mortal enemy. Should I go to their funeral? I think I'd be really honest with you and say, like, do you think it would cause harm to other people that are there? Oh, yeah, you're thinking about other people. See, I'm sitting there thinking about, like, it would give me such closure to go to the funeral. Of, <laughs> like, I'm being selfish about it, but what what about the other people who are going to be there? So I get that. You're talking about a situation where if if you feel like it would give you closure, I think you should go. I think so, as long as you are respectful about it and, and stay in the back and... I also think it would be good to let people know that you were planning on coming so that then if they're like, no, no, don't. Yeah. You would know. 
And then you could decide with that information. I wouldn't blindly show up. Yeah. What about the person who's hosting the funeral? Say, for example, say, for example, your kid died in a, like, very horrific national news situation Mm -hmm. and there was a big funeral in your hometown and the president decided to go which is a thing that sometimes they do decide to go to the service Mm -hmm. and you were you like hated like they died because of a certain policy like say it's gun relation or something yeah and donald fucking trump wants to come to your kid's funeral Hmm. what would you do as the mom would you be like i i feel like i'd be like no that's a really hard question, I think, especially because there's so much more involved in that specific scenario. Yeah. It's so tied to the political right. aspect of it. And I think I might be more likely to be like, don't you come mm-hmm. to make a point. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, yeah, in that situation, I agree. I think I'd, and if you showed up, I think I would probably say something. But I think when, when someone dies, you're kind of automatically like, oh, I should go. I have to go. Everyone, you always go to the funeral. Right. And I don't know that you should always go. That's my point. Hmm. What if when your spouse dies, you find out that they had a mistress the whole time that they were in love with and they were in love with you or a secret family. How do you, so you've got two people who love this person who died Mm -hmm. and Yes, a lot of people will side with the family, but, like, do you bar the mistress who also loves this person from coming to the service? Or does hmm. the mistress or or mistor, yes. I don't know what you <laughs> The mistor? The mistee, you know, <laughs> gender neutral, whatever. Um, gender fluid, but the, um, if that person, would they do their own funeral? Like, what do you do in that situation? I think, again, it would depend on how much everyone knew. I feel like if the family's paying for it, you don't show up. I think that's a le- that's legitimate. I think if no one knew, like if no there, one no knew, harm no foul. Yeah, then I would go and just be like, "Oh, I knew mm-hmm. your husband or whatever." I'm thinking if I was the the misty <laughs> situation, <laughs> the misty. I like this word. We came I up do with. too. Yeah. <laughs> if I were the misty, I think it would depend. I do think I would be very anxious to go if they knew about me. I probably wouldn't go. I probably wouldn't go either. I think I would have my own sort of ritual or something to yeah. to leave them behind. That goes back to the way they lived their life in terms of if they kept those things so separate. Their their family is grieving one version of their life. Right. They're totally different people. Right. And so you I I I don't know that you would get that much. Can you imagine if you were the Misty, the person who 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 was having an affair with you had kids? And you knew they had kids, but you had never met their Wait, kids. Wait, so I'm the Misty. So you're the Misty. And the person who's died is the person who's having an affair with you. Yep. And you, and that person has kids. Okay, gotcha. That you've never met yeah. as the Misty. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine having to go and face that person's family and their children? No like, way. I think that would be really, I can understand why people would want to. Yeah. But I think I would have a really hard time doing that. Yeah. I would too. I'd also be scared. I do. I do think it's probably on the safe side not to go. Yes, if I would you were agree. the misty. <laughs> yeah, like grieve. Perhaps also another just way. maybe like don't be a misty then. Like just yeah, moral of the story, guys. Just keep it all above yeah, board. Consensual non-monogamy. Yeah, if you're going that way. Seriously, you know? just be d- communication. Yep, that's all. That's, solve all your death problems. There you go. No funeral <laughs> queries. Yep. Thanks, Emily Post. Yeah, got through that. 
I don't know. Would you, if you had a family member that you really didn't like and someone asked you to eulogize them, would you? Oh, it's a hard question because I think that the person that, the person they choose to give the eulogy is always seen as a leader mm-hmm. or someone that can keep it together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they chose you because they don't think they can keep it together. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's my family and they're like, we really want you to do the eulogy because, you know, we don't think we can do it. I might be able to do it. And I just, I just stick with platitudes. Trucks to him were a metaphor for the open road and and the dreams he had. And everyone's got dreams. Like, I'd just go on that road and yeah. not be, like, super intimate about it, I think. And I, I think people would be okay with that. I think so, too. Yeah. That's probably how I'd... I think that if anyone asks me to eulogize, it clearly means enough to the person who's alive. Right. That unless I hate that person, I'll probably say yes. Yeah. It becomes more about the person who asked you than about the dead person. Assuming that you had a bad relationship with the dead person. Yeah, definitely. But I'd feel guilty. I'd feel guilty that they didn't have someone who actually had a good relationship with them, eulogize them. Well, or they might. But again, like you said, they might not be able to keep it together. I think that's a reason why a lot of people say no to, to eulogizing others is because they can't get through it without breaking apart Ed. do you also think it's the way that it's set up like you're above everybody else you know most eulogies are like mm-hmm. on a raised platform yeah with a podium and a mic next to a picture of the person next to a picture of the person yeah i wonder if that has to do too i wonder if it would be different if and everyone's looking at you you yeah. know like i wonder if a eulogy would be different if you could be in the seats with everyone else in it. Oh, and yeah. looking forward at the you know mm-hmm. and and just giving the eulogy looking at the cat at the casket, if that's the way that you decide to do your funeral. Or just in the dark. Oh my god. Everyone sit in the dark. JJ, you solved it. Because then everyone can cry and no one's going to see you the whole time. Yeah. or And it could just be kind of like popcorn. Yeah. Like someone starts talking. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Now I kind of want to do that for my I team. do too. That's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And like maybe you have a lit just candles around. Yeah. And like people can hug each other or mm-hmm. like. Or, or make physical contact in a way yeah. that doesn't feel. And the misty, like yeah. the misty can, yes. can the misty cry can go. and go. Oh, the misty can go yeah. to the dark funeral. And maybe bring their new other misty and, and no, that's weird. No, that's bad. As I said, it could like make out. <laughs> yeah, don't make out at a don't, funeral. Don't. Well, wait until maybe. after. Wait until after. Well, some people might want you to make out at a funeral. I think they would probably make it clear if they did. So I'd say the dead person would make it clear, JJ. Beforehand, hopefully. True. I would say that's a big risk. Yeah. Okay. Big risk to make. It <laughs> it's a rare kind of. The orgy funeral is not the one that's normally picked. No, it's it's not on the funeral director's list <laughs> of options. Maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. Sex is powerful. It's healing and healing, and everyone. And I've cried after sex. Yeah. So. Anyway. <laughs> Do you want to hear my shirt? <laughs> okay, so JJ, what are what do these things mean to you? Past, passed over, passed away, gone to a better place, gone, lost. That one pisses me off. Lost? I'm not lost. Like you know where I am. You know where I am. I know where I am. Yeah, maybe. Dead. I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not fucking lost. Expired. Like a piece of meat. Yeah, that sounds like... Which is what I am at this point, yeah, so... medical. And then there are the funny ones, like, fell on a perch, snuffed it, pushing up daisies, 
bit the dust, brown bread, which I've never heard that one. I didn't know if that's a I've West Coast thing. Yeah, I've never heard that. If someone can yeah. let us know about that. Yeah, if that's something that you know about. Real cool. Yeah. Croaked it, kicked the bucket, six feet under. All those ones we know, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's so weird that we can't just say that someone died. Me too. Or that someone's dead. We hide the word just like we hide death and we're scared of death, which is exactly what you and I are interested in not doing, right? It gets annoying to the person who died. It, it makes it so... I find it insulting to the person ins- you're talking to. That too. So that's... Okay, that yeah. gets to the Emily Post, which I found this really interesting. So I was like, well, I'm, I'd be interested to see what Emily Post says about, um, about Just, sympathy cards. Mm-hmm. I was so surprised because... Here is what an example of, I did a couple, I have a couple examples of Emily Post um, sympathy cards. Mm -hmm. Dear Vanessa, Ken and I were very sad to hear about Robert's death. Dear Paige and Will, on behalf of the family, I want to thank you for your expression of sympathy after the death of my sister. Emily Post didn't sugarcoat it. So if they're the epitome of decorum and etiquette, they're just coming out and saying it because you're right. I feel like if, if someone said gone to a better place, if I was the loved one, if I was mourning, no, this is the better place. They're not gone to a better place. They're dead, mm-hmm. you know, especially if people don't believe in an afterlife. I right. feel like that's so disrespectful to say with God now in heaven. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. I think the cliches are, are annoying for a lot of reasons because it is minimizing. It's like you're trying to protect me oh, you can't handle the word dead or died. So here I'm going to put on some gloves and I'm going to write in a card that's like, we're so sorry for your loss. And I think those come from a good place because no one really knows what to say. Well, there was a funny story being honest about it, just saying death is so important because, you know, like a woman um, has a husband who's in a nursing home, say, Mm -hmm. right? And the nurse calls up and says, I'm sorry, we lost your husband last night. Right. Where is he? (laughs) He has dementia. Is he off in the woods somewhere? No, he's gone. Gone where? But have you ever had to inform someone that someone died? Mm Mm-hmm. And did you just use died? I think I probably would. I'm trying to think the last time it happened. I think I said died. I think I've said died most of the time. Mm. Especially because I... Most of the time, it's that I'm telling other people about a loss that's close to me of a person they don't know. Um, I think I use it in that aspect, too. But when it's someone more intimately connected to that person, Mm -hmm. anything that has to do with the medical, he didn't make it, lost their battle with cancer. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is just saying that these people failed. Right. That they that they fought their hardest and failed at something. Mm -hmm. And I I just hate that phrase, lost their battle with. If you're going to write a sympathy card... You should at least put a memory. What about an office setting where someone has lost a family member that you've never met mm-hmm. and you know this person who's lost someone, but, and so the gesture is, you know, the office is going to get you a card. Emily Post said, when I read about this, she said, be specific. I know how much you really loved blank mm-hmm. or let me, or be specific about how you can help. Let me know if you want me to to babysit Mm -hmm. you know let me know if i can make any food for you and just like those specifics and details is the best way to do it Mm -hmm. but the sorry for your loss is um is just not personal enough but it doesn't mean i haven't done it you just don't know what to say you know it's not it doesn't come from a place where you don't genuinely feel bad yeah to me all these the ways of talking about death 
is trying to get away from the fact that there is a body involved. You know, like there's mm-hmm. someone is, I don't know. It's almost like, you know, we don't talk about peeing and pooping. We talk about <laughs> going to the bathroom, using the restroom, going to the powder room, mm-hmm. relieving myself. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like the that it's taking all the biology out of it. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to your question about funerals. If someone that you work with died, mm-hmm. someone, you know, if you work at a company of 100 people mm-hmm. and yeah, sure, you were in meetings with this person and they died, should should work go to the funeral? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Because I think in that situation, your office would all go. You'd all stop working, working and, and you'd all go. On behalf of the company, like everyone goes. Gotcha. I have been in that situation where a person I worked with lost, uh, had a stillborn. And even though I didn't necessarily know that person all that well, yeah. nor did I know their family, everyone in the office... And everyone, and it was, you know, it was a fairly large office. So everyone in our department and everyone in, like, several of the other departments who who had any sort of contact with her went. Yeah. In the situation where if you work in a place with a thousand plus people, which, for example, I do. Yeah. If someone in another department who I had never met mm-hmm. maybe emailed one time, I don't, I don't know that I would go. I think it would depend on the situation. And I'm sure in a place like that, they'd have a se- like a separate ceremony anyway. You know, yes. like in college when someone dies, you don't necessarily go to the funeral. You go to the memorial service that, yes. the, that the college sets up. Yes. Something like that, I think, would make more sense. And I, working at a college, there are, there are funerals that happen on campus often. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there's, some, there's a chapel and people right. choose to get memorialized there. I've never had to plan a funeral like a traditional funeral like this like Mm -hmm. a service in a church or anything do you think the family's comforted by a lot of people going or do you think it's overwhelming i think specifically about people who are in the public eye senators yeah or and and i know that they don't necessarily always post those um but like a a mayor Mm -hmm. something like that where a lot of people touched a lot of people Mm -hmm. um had a lot of fans Mm -hmm. um do you think that the family's appreciate that in those situations the Mm -hmm. the show of people or do you think it's too overwhelming and they feel like it's fake or i I mean i'm asking you as if you know yeah i think it would depend on the person i think of ulysses s grant famously had millions of people at his funeral or whatever if it were me i think i'd feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i think because at a certain point it becomes a responsibility to right, and then you have to tailor your eulogy to like being appropriate. Yes, you can't tell a funny story about your dad, yeah, because he was a public figure, mm-hmm. you know, or your mom because she's the queen or something. <laughs> My mom's the queen. Our, her funeral was such a drag. Remember that time, <laughs> old Lizzie <laughs> drank too much brandy and looked <laughs> at the table. <laughs> joining us thank you so much yeah so next week we're gonna ask the end all be all question what would happen if we knew the exact moment that we were going to die goodbye see you next week that's it tune in yep